0: Today, we're speaking with Kioni Vaughn. Since 2014, Kioni serves as executive director of the Lanai Cat Sanctuary. He oversees a staff of six who provided daily care for more than 575 cats. Prior to joining the sanctuary, he has served as the vice president and director of operations of the Hawaiian Humane Society, where he oversaw a staff of 50, ran the admissions, shelter adoptions, and partnerships lost and found in animal care services at Hawaii's largest shelter, where more than 30,000 animals would arrive in need every year. Before that, he served as the head of the organization's Investigations and Rescues Division, where he busted puppy mills, fought for stronger animal protection laws, and worked with prosecutors and police to bring abusers to justice. Keone has rallied a following to Lanai Cat Sanctuary's social media platforms through innovative content and engagement, as well as working with travel media including Board Panda, LA Times, Expedia, Huffington Post, BuzzFeed, and Country Living to create videos that have gone viral with multi-million viewership. He has positioned the sanctuary as the number one attraction in Lanai, as voted by the users of TripAdvisor. Keone serves on the board of directors for Crime Stoppers Honolulu and is a member of the Federal Law Enforcement Foundation. Born and raised on Oahu, he lives with his two rescued street cats and his wife, Jackie, and son, Hunter, in Honolulu. Welcome to the show. Aloha. <laughs> it's uh, it's ironic. Here you are in, in beautiful Hawaii, and I'm up here in snowy Vermont. So I am very jealous of the weather that you're having right now, and I'll be even more so when I'm shoveling out my car tomorrow morning.
1: <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for having me on, Stacey.
0: Not a problem. And I would like to wish our listeners a, a happy new year, too. So... Well, Keone, I would love to find out how did you develop your passion for animals and how did you get involved in the sheltering and nonprofit world?
1: Well, it all started when I was a kid. I was uh, born and raised in Oahu and surrounded by show dogs. And I showed dogs professionally, interesting enough, from when I was uh, about seven years old till uh, about 20 years old. And then after I hit my 20s, I went into the uh, travel industry and took a break from dog showing. And next thing you know, I find myself working for the uh, Hawaiian Humane Society as an investigator. And so it was polar opposite. I went from showing showing dogs and, you know, really... Healthy, purebred animals in a, in, a, in a tight environment to rescuing animals and kind of showing up to scenes that weren't so pleasant and kind of heartbreaking. But it instantly started getting uh, really to the heart of what I really truly wanted to do, which was to rescue and protect um, animals that couldn't speak for themselves. So I did that for a few years and kind of worked my way up through the organization, but uh, most importantly, really got to learn how to collaborate and work with the community um, when it comes to their pets and um, we focused our attention on puppy mills and cat hoarding and it was it's the hawaii main study is the only the only animal shelter on Oahu servicing a million people. So it was really high volume. Uh, It's about 30,000 animals coming in a year to the main site. So
0: that's a a very, very intense environment and must have been very challenging at times.
1: It was, and especially when it came to the cat issue. Everywhere in the country, but especially I think in Hawaii, free-roaming cats are a big hot topic here. Uh, The weather is Great year-round. Um, there aren't predators like coyotes. Uh, there's, you know, no winter die-off, if you will. Um, so there's just a lot of a lot of free-roaming community cats. And so a bulk of my time was trying to uh, collaborate with housing associations, working with uh, colony caregivers, and a lot of mediation. Um, but also trying to develop uh, more programs to give the uh, public access to lower-cost solutions to span area.
0: And so now you're at the Lanai Sanctuary. Can you tell me a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, so I got this great opportunity, I really feel is an opportunity of a lifetime, to go work on Lanai, which, and Lanai is one of our main Hawaiian Islands. It's the most remote and probably it only has uh, 3,000 people on the island, one gas station, no uh, traffic lights, no Starbucks. Uh, its main industry. Is uh, tourism. Prior to that, it was pineapple. (laughs) Yeah, so it went from going to supplying the world's pineapple to a travel destination. Um, But interesting enough, there was a cat sanctuary there. And so I was given the opportunity to go work on Lanai and try to make a difference and quite honestly try to solve a cat overpopulation issue. And I figured that if there's any place in this country where it has the best chances of being successful. It would be on Lanai, again, a small human population, limited resources, but just for the fact that there are only three thousand people on the island, um, and the the uh, pets were not abundant, there was an opportunity to kind of jump on it and make that that leap of faith um so i met kathy carroll she was the founder of the cat sanctuary it actually started in 2004 when she moved to the island from chicago her and her husband a a cat stumbled across her doorstep and needed to be seen by a veterinarian and so she started asking around town you know where's the veterinarian and she quickly found out there hadn't been a veterinarian living on the island for about 50 years And in order to take the cat to a veterinarian, she'd have to jump on the ferry and take the ferry from Lanai to Maui, then rent a car and take the cat to a veterinarian in in Maui. Uh, Well, long story short, she did that. And the veterinarian said, you know, gosh, there's a huge cat issue on the island of Lanai and I wish somebody would do something about it. So she looked in the uh, mirror and said, well, what better person is myself? <laughs> <laughs> it's good on her because what she did was she really recruited uh, veterinarians and volunteers from Maui to come over. And she uh, did a uh, trap, neuter and return from 2004 to uh, roughly 2006. And uh, she did quite a few cats, over a thousand cats. And that's that's quite a bit that's huge you know not knowing anything about animal sheltering or spay or neuter she kind of learned as she went on and then 2006 uh, natural resources and the conservationists stumbled across um, some native and endangered birds a huge colony up in the mountains and found that the, uh, the cats were predating on the birds and uh, they were going to you know eradicate the cats and she convinced them to give her a 30-day stay to go up in the mountains and trap as many cats as she can in the specific area and relocate the cats. But she had nowhere to take these cats. And so she took the cats, uh, she convinced the Four Seasons, there's two hotels on the island, and they're both Four Seasons. (laughs) So she convinced the Four Seasons to give her one of the horse corrals and turn it into a makeshift holding area, if you will. And she went from 25 cats to 100 cats and within a year of course they were all you know spayed or neutered but she kept having to trap from the specific area 2009 she moves from this corral to the sanctuary we're at now and when i took over in 2014 uh, we were at 350 cats Um, and to the best way to describe it it's an open-air park-like environment we don't have cages It's just a perimeter fencing, so they're kind of in their uh, natural habitat, if they will. So they're loving it. And we've recently expanded, and we're up to 594 cats.
0: Wow. So I just want to ask a question. Why do you need to expand? I mean, why are you adding Cats, is it just, I mean, how are more cats, your island is pretty well contained. How, how are more cats appearing unless, are people bringing unsterilized cats onto the island or, or you know, what, what's sort of happening in your environment?
1: Well, as you know, cats reproduce at a, an alarming rate. So what we're trying to do is really just try to remove every single cat off the landscape and bring them into our sanctuary. And that's a huge task, but we don't believe that people are bringing in more cats. Um, there's a pretty strict policy on Ireland with uh, um, cats that are owned uh, must stay indoors. It must be spayed or neutered, microchipped, etc. So these are just the cats. We focus most of our attention on the uh, cats up where birds, uh, the native birds and endangered birds are, are living and breeding. So... We're providing that safe environment for those birds and bringing the cats in. So these ninety-five percent of the cats that are that come to us are truly feral.
0: So they're skittish, don't like to be touched, that kind of personality, or or yep. so they don't have any domesticated side to them.
1: Correct. So 95% of the cats that come to us have never seen a human uh, before. So the good news is, though, out of the 95% of the cats that come to us right now, we're at a population of about 40% that are are socialized um, and the 60% that are still unsocialized or, or feral. And, you know, coming from working for a high volume traditional shelter for about 10 and a half years, that is one thing that has really kind of inspired me and um, quite honestly changed my view a lot. Uh, mm. you know, with the luxury of time, some of these, well, 40% of these feral cats can become socialized and find homes. And that's something that, you know, 10 years ago I would have said, no way, that's not possible. So it's really opened my eyes.
0: Right. They do take time and it's, it's, it's a very hard balancing act and it's a hard decision to make as to whether or not you're going to return a cat to a colony or bring it in but it sounds like you've got the sort of the multiple generations going on and that's the one thing that i found was you know if you trapped a recently abandoned cat you had a much different chance on the socializing side than if you were talking about two or three generations down the line
1: right and i think it's important to note that on our our islands are extremely unique so one of the ways i'm not sure if The you know, your listeners are aware of this, but in most places, the fish and wildlife or the natural resources who are bound to protect the native birds and native species trap cats in really, really remote areas. And, you know, they they euthanize the cats. And typically it's by gunshot. What we have done on our island is we have Entered into an agreement with uh, natural resources that no, sh- no cat will be shot on island that was is trapped. So what that essentially means is any cat that is trapped on island, whether it be from us or natural resources, they will bring us the cat and the cat is welcome to stay with us for the rest of their life. Now, the trade off is we also do not have TNR on our island. And so. That's, you know, it's different and it's all about collaboration and 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 trying to come up with, I guess, some reasonable, although uncomfortable resolutions to our situation.
0: That's a negotiated agreement.
1: It is. And, you know, and it's been working so far. We're bringing in about 200 cats a year. Uh, Each year, our goal is to bring in more and we are finding homes for these cats. Um, in addition, the cats that do come to us from these sensitive areas, uh, we also agree that we will not adopt out those cats to anyone on island, but fortunately or for, unfortunately for us, most of our adoptions are uh, take place off island anyway, so um, it's really a non-issue for us. <music>
0: Let's make helping cats in your community easier. Join me and over 10 exceptional leaders for the first ever online cat conference. This virtual conference will be held January 26th through 28th, 2018, and will feature speakers like Brian Cordes of Neighborhood Cats, Hannah Shaw, the kitten lady, Katie Lisnick of the Humane Society of the United States, Nell Thompson from Getting to Zero in Australia, and many, many more. This is an affordable opportunity to learn from nationally and internationally known leaders in the field of community cat management and care. To find out more details, please go to www.communitycatspodcast.com and sign up today to register. Fees go up on December 1st. Let's make helping cats easier in your community. The Community Cats Podcast will soon be a year old, with over 200 episodes profiling amazing people who are all making a difference in the lives of community cats. If you would like to support the show, but not be a sponsor, feel free to contribute to our efforts by going to www.communitycatspodcast.com and follow the donate link. Help us to continue to provide excellent programming. Do you aspire to get to zero population uh, or zero unsterilized population sort of outside of the sanctuary.
1: Yeah, I mean I would love to work myself out of a job that would be the that is the ultimate goal to to make sure that every free-roaming cat is removed and brought into our sanctuary or find a home. We you know as you know there's no formula that I'm aware of that can determine how many cats per square mile or there um, there's a lot of uh, estimates out there but we're going to keep going until we either don't have the resources or can't trap any cats and even then we're going to continue to trap and you know we have seen a it, it has started and especially in a lot of areas started to become really challenging to trap some Trap cats. So that's a good sign for us.
0: So in Newburyport, where I worked for about 20 years, um, we started out with 14 feeding stations and over there were over 300 cats in a very small area. And there aren't any now. So, you know, by about 1998, we had the area pretty much under control. So I was just wondering if you have like dedicated feeding station areas so that you can monitor the cat population is, uh, so that you get a sense, that sort of tribal knowledge of what your population might be out there, or is it just too big of an area to to be actu- actually able to do something like that?
1: Well, we do have various explosions of cats, if we will. We do send out, uh, we do put up uh, trail cams. Um, to monitor the area. But, you know, to put everything in perspective, <laughs> we have six staff. Right, right, right. <laughs> so our our main focus, quite honestly, is caring for the 600 cats that we have. Mm-hmm. And we rely heavily on the natural resources department, um, as well as a, a few resi- island residents to do the trapping for us. So if we had more resources, we certainly would Deploy them in other areas, but what we do, um, I think, really well is targeted trapping. So, we there are certain areas that we focus on. For example, we last year we focused on the abandoned nursery, and uh, in 18 months we brought in almost you know, about 220 cats. Wow! So, of course, we're still trapping there to make sure that we've gotten them all, but we haven't caught a trap there a cat there in a long time.
0: I can see a. Uh Trapper's holiday being put together.
1: Yeah, yeah, that would be wonderful.
0: Some of my New England trappers would really like a a trip to Hawaii to go trapping because (laughs) trapping in New England winters is not fun. (laughs)
1: Especially in this time of year, right?
0: (laughs) Exactly, and especially February. It's just it's no fun to trap even though we do it because the cats, the female cats aren't pregnant in February, so it makes the surgeries really easy. But it's not fun, really, to trap in the middle of February with all the ice and the cold and recovery and all that stuff. So it, there's challenges in in, in all environments. It, this partnership or this, you know, agreement with the bird folks and that balance. I know it's a really hot topic. It's a big issue. A lot of people have very strong opinions, you know, in different, different directions in terms of island examples. We've done a lot of TNR in Nantucket and Martha's Vineyard. And those islands have very progressive trap, neuter return programs there. It's, it's just very interesting to see the different models. Do you foresee this model of yours actually being able to be replicated in other locations?
1: I think components of the, uh, the sanctuary uh, is definitely doable in certain communities under certain conditions. In fact, I I wrote an article on our website about building sanctuaries. And, you know, it's not for everyone. It takes a lot of thought. It takes a lot of time. We didn't start, you know, with 600 cats. I mean, like I said, Kathy started with 25 cats. And over the years, we have been able to grow our sanctuary based on our resources and every year we struggle we don't have electricity the only utility we have is uh, running water and so but what it has taught us to do is everything high quality yet really efficiently and our cap per cost per year is roughly about $700 $750 per cap.
0: That's very reasonable, coming from somebody who's run a sanctuary, that's actually a very reasonable cost.
1: Yeah, so I mean, I, I think it is I think it is doable. You know, it's just a matter of what's right for your community. And I think the really important thing is you really need to sniff out the numbers. Um, I get a lot of requests to for, to help people build sanctuaries and start sanctuaries and and whatnot. but you know you really need to sit down and evaluate your scenario and start slow. Never take in too many that you can properly care for.
0: Right, right. So if someone wanted to come and visit the Lanai Cat Sanctuary, what would happen?
1: So I'm glad you asked. So we're in the middle of nowhere in the in the Pacific. <laughs> um, fortunately for us, we so our um, sanctuary relies solely on uh, visitors. So 95% of our donations come from off-island. Um, and that translates to in the last 12 months we've had 9,000 people visit us oh my goodness yeah so that we're very proud of that but it's really simple if you're coming from Oahu you can catch a uh, commuter plane over for you know uh, it takes uh, 20-25 minutes to get to the island or if you uh, go to Maui and happen to vacation in Maui you can jump on a ferry ride and it's a beautiful ferry ride about 45 minutes to our island and um we have one shuttle van on the island that uh, our shuttle service that will bring you up to the uh, cat sanctuary for ten dollars.
0: So you can just visit for the day. It's not like you can do like a sleepover or a, a camping type event or anything like that.
1: Yeah, I wish. Um, yeah, you can only come for the day. <laughs> our our lease does not allow any kind of camping, um, although we have uh, tried to look at it because we get a lot of requests and quite frankly, people offering to volunteer if, they, if we could find that you know, somewhere to stay. But housing on Lanai is extremely, extremely limited. Um, So we get a lot of day trippers.
0: So they can stay at the Four Seasons, though, right? And then come over.
1: Sure. (laughs) They also have have, uh, vacation rentals on island as well. Okay. All that information's on our on our website and we provided all the we provide all the links for all the all the limited possibilities.
0: <laughs> well, this is some wonderful wintertime vacation ideas for our listeners. So this is just absolutely fantastic. Uh, so if folks are interested in checking out your website and reaching out to your organization, how would they do that?
1: So they can go to uh lanaicatsanctuary.org. Um, We're also on Facebook and Instagram, as well as Twitter, but primarily Facebook and Instagram. And we're constantly doing Facebook Live videos, but uh, there's a story about how we got started. There's also uh, some discussion on the various birds that we protect through our work and different ways that you can help us out, should you uh, want to.
0: That's great. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today?
1: Um, I think the only thing is, you know, if I I really encourage everyone to um, kind of think outside of the box. And, you know, when it comes to sanctuaries, I think they are necessary. I think they have a place. I do not think that they're the only solution. I do believe that TNR works great. But, you know, in our island, it's a little different. And we believe that there's a place for our native birds as well as our beloved cats. So we just provided a unique solution to the problem.
0: That's great. And I think we all need to focus on being as open-minded as possible. Not every solution is perfect for every area. So where I'm in an urban area versus a rural area versus an island area, we have to really understand our own individual communities' needs and try and do our best efforts with regards to creating, you know, success for our community cats in our own backyards. So Keone, I'd like to thank you so much for being a guest on this show. And I hope we'll have you on in the future.
1: Thanks so much. I really appreciate it.
0: Thank you for listening to a community cats podcast. I would really appreciate it if you would go to iTunes, leave a review of the show. It will help spread the word to help more community cats.